Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. From His Heart is heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time right here on American Family Radio. Well, today is Monday, May 30th. Uh, My wife's birthday is tomorrow, May 31st, and so I have to remember that. But today is Memorial Day. Did you get her a birthday present yet? I'm working on that. Okay. And uh, I'll be ready. Okay. I'll be ready when tomorrow comes. Um, But today is Memorial Day. It's the day that we uh, honor those who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. Uh, They gave their lives on the battlefield to ensure that America is the land of the free and the home of the brave. And so uh, we just want to uh, thank those families and, uh, and honor those who gave their lives. And it, it makes us think as we celebrate Memorial Day, it makes us think about the world's greatest soldier, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2, verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. And so we remember the cross on Memorial Day as we honor our fallen soldiers, but we remember the world's greatest soldier, the Lord Jesus, who not only gave his life, but then conquered death, hell, and the grave when he rose again on that third day. Chris, when we uh, think about sacrifice, the sacrifice of our soldiers, the sacrifice of Jesus for the, the salvation of the world. How does that affect us as believers in Jesus? Uh, what does that say to you and to me? I mean, the first thing I think about is that sacrifice is a choice. To make a sacrifice, you have to have something to give. It's not a sacrifice if you if you don't have anything to give. You know, I'm not making a sacrifice in not living in a million dollar home because I don't I don't have access to that. But um, if I were to give, if I had something and I gave it up, that's a sacrifice. And so the soldiers who uh, fought for our freedom and many of them gave the highest prize. Uh, highest price they gave their their own life and then we think about what Jesus did in giving his own life for us sacrificing himself on the cross and his life was not taken from him right. but he gave up his life for us so that we could have life and eternal life right now in Philippians chapter 2 is a passage that many of us are familiar with just for Jesus to become a man Right. He had to give up so much. So it says this, uh, beginning in verse 5, Philippians chapter 2, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard, regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So you talk about Chris stepping down from the the heights of glory to be put into a virgin's womb who is poor at that, to be born in Bethlehem and laid in a feeding trough, a manger is a feeding trough, um, Boy, you you can't humble yourself more than that, but he did because then he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross, which was reserved for the worst of criminals. 
Yeah, I see two major sacrifices there. The first sacrifice is coming down from heaven, you know, uh, perfection down to earth. So that's a major sacrifice in itself. I often wonder, you know, just just Jesus's thought life as he's looking at earth <laughs> and he's looking at the sin in the world and, uh-huh. you know, coming from heaven to that and just uh, seeing the destruction around him. And so that's the first sacrifice. And then the second sacrifice is him giving up his life and being uh, tortured and crucified on a cross, something that he uh, did not deserve, something that he did not sin. He lived a perfect life. And so he hung on a cross as if he was a criminal, but he made that choice. He did that for us. Right. And just the fact that he, he chose humility, he humbled himself. You know, it makes me think of humility. Humility is not something that naturally comes to us. We have to choose humility. We're naturally prideful people. You know, in our sin, we're naturally prideful. Uh, humility is something that we that we choose. And Jesus chose to be humble. He humbled himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, those Roman soldiers were were powerful and strong, and they knew how to kill someone. They knew how to crucify someone. But his life, again, was not taken. No. He surrendered it. Yeah, so he says in the Gospel of John, no one takes my life. I lay it down freely. Uh, Chris, I think about uh, John 18, when they come to arrest him in the garden, and John is the only one that brings this out. Uh, he goes out to them and says, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus, the Nazarene. And he says to them, I am. Mm, that's now, cool. New American Standard has I am he, and he is in italics. The, he is not there. He said to them, I am, mm. you know, just like in John eight, he said, before Abraham was born, I am. They picked up stones to stone him because they knew, hey, I am is the name of God. And so when Jesus said, I am, it says the soldiers drew back and fell on their face. Good. Yeah. They couldn't arrest him. Right. He had to allow himself to be arrested. He had to allow himself to be crucified. You can't crucify God. Uh, unless he allows it. And he willingly did. He he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So he humbled himself as, uh, I mean, they can't arrest God. You know, they can't take God in. So no. God had to give himself up right. you know, through his son, Jesus. And, and some ask the question, say, well, how, how can God die? Uh, if, if he's the great eternal God, how can God die? Well, that's where the Trinity comes in. That's right. God is three in one. Yes. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. God the Father didn't die. God the Son gave his life. He tasted death, it says in Hebrews 2. He tasted death for everyone so that those who put their faith and trust in him will never die. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 24, he who uh, hears my words and believes him who sent me has everlasting eternal life and does not come into death but is passed out of death into life and you and i chris we've put our faith and trust in jesus and many who are listening to us today we're never gonna have to face real death i mean we die in our bodies but that's just to be taken to heaven he tasted death and the penalty of sin when he hung on the cross and when he died on the cross. Yeah, a lot of people say that they are willing to make a sacrifice. They're willing to die for something. You know, a husband will say that he's willing to die for his wife. He's willing to sacrifice for his wife. But uh, most people will not ever have to take a bullet, you know, for their spouse and literally have to sacrifice and die. But uh, 
so we don't have that kind of sacrifice where we give up our life. We have more of a, a living sacrifice. Yeah, and the problem with a living sacrifice uh, is that it, it crawls off the altar. Right, you right, know? right. Uh, A dead sacrifice stays there because you, you're dead. But when you're a living sacrifice, um, you, you, can, you can crawl away. And uh, we tend to do that. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1, a key verse. Mm -hmm. What does it say, Chris? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Uh, this is your spiritual act of worship. So taking our ourselves, our, our bodies, and offering this. Interesting that that's the first thing it says in Romans 12. In Romans 12 is your body. You know, mm -hmm. then it goes to your thoughts, your mind, mm -hmm. and then it goes to the body, to the community. But it starts with, uh, the, you know, the church body. Right. But the first part is your body, your physical body. That's what we have. That's what we steward. That's what God has given us. He's given us this vessel. And so that's the first thing that he calls us to sacrifice is our own body, uh, to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. And you're right. We, that's hard because that living sacrifice can, can get up from the sacrifice. Right. What I've found that's helpful is when you get up in the morning, if the first thing you'll do is get on your knees and say, Lord, I belong to you. You, Jesus, you died on the cross for me. You rose again from the dead. I've been bought with a price. You have told me to glorify God in my body, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 20. And so I just say, Lord, here I am. I'm reporting for duty. I am offering myself this day as a living sacrifice, and I surrender anew and afresh to you. It, it's not the idea of getting saved all over again. It's the idea of just re-upping. Um, hey, I, I'm in the Lord's army, but Lord, I just want you to know that I'm re-upping today and I belong to you and I want you to be in control of me and I surrender. And so, Chris, when we talk about sacrifice and surrender, how are those connected? Yeah, that's a great point. There's a huge difference between surrender and sacrifice because surrender means that um, I don't even belong to myself, that it doesn't even belong to me. So when I surrender something, I'm saying that that belongs to God, that doesn't even belong to me. And so a sacrifice means that I'm giving up something of my own. I'm giving something that, that belongs to me. But I believe that surrender would be more powerful because surrender means that it doesn't even belong to me. So my, my children, uh, my career, my calling, all the things that are so valuable to me, um, I surrender those things because they don't even belong to me. They belong to the Lord. And even just myself, I surrender myself because I belong to the Lord. Well, I remember a, uh, a story that Adrian Rogers told about a Romanian pastor, Joseph Tison, and he had come to America and, and Adrian was talking to him about, uh, what do you see Christianity in America? And he said, you guys talk a lot about committing to the Lord. And he said, uh, we don't talk about that in Romania. And Adrian said, well, making a commitment to the Lord's a good thing. He said, well, we talk about surrendering to the Lord. He said, here's the difference. When you commit to the Lord, it's like you're still in charge because I'm committing. Well, now I'm decommitting. You know, we have athletes there. I'm committing to this school, but then they decommit. And so he said, surrender is, man, I, I, I've totally given up my will to yours. Not my, my rights. It's not my rights. I surrender my, right. my rights. My even my choice, I surrender that to the Lord. And when you're committed, you can't, or when you're surrendered, you can't decommit. That's right. I mean, it's just like, I'm under your control. I surrender my life. And I think that's what people miss. Uh, you know, people that quote unquote, pray to receive Christ until and unless you really surrender your life to Christ, you don't, you don't get saved. 
salvation is all or nothing. You give all you know of you to all you know of Jesus, and then you're saved. If you hold some back, if you have the decommit uh, card that you still have, you know, to play, you're not going to get saved that way. Yeah. I, I hear that testimony over and over again. It's kind of like, you know, the initial, um, I've accepted Jesus Christ and I want him to be my savior. But then uh, years later, maybe into more of a mature age, I hear that more, I've, I've surrendered. I fully have surrendered. That was my own testimony. And I hear that testimony over and over again. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It's that full surrender. Right. And so it's hard to know when somebody is, uh, well, I've received Christ as savior, but I don't know about Lord. Well, he is savior and Lord. He's not savior and then later down the road he's lord he he comes into a life to take over you know i think about that passage in joshua 5 where joshua says you know he's he's by jericho it's right before they they have the uh the battle of jericho which wasn't much of a battle uh but he's he sees the lord and he says are you for us or for our adversaries and he said no but i come as captain of the lord of hosts take your shoes off the place on which you're standing is holy ground uh i didn't come to take your side i came to take over and so when we give our lives to christ it is saying lord you have come to take over i need you not as a tack on or add on to my life i need you to save me and to take over and take control of my life. Yeah, be the captain of my ship. Just just guide, just direct. It's not me anymore, it's you. You know, your will be done, right. not my will. And that's a that's a one-time thing, but that's an everyday thing. Right. And so explain that, Chris. How I mean, we don't get saved every single day. We get saved once, but every day we have to as I said, you have to re-up Yeah, Uh, you talk about often about uh, being back on the throne, who's on the throne of your life. And so uh, Jesus is your savior, but sometimes um, we put ourselves on the throne instead of Jesus. And so we have to get him back on the throne and every single day say that uh, I die to self. God, your will be done, not my will. Every day we die to ourselves. Yeah, Paul said, I I die daily. So every day, not my will, but thine be done. Every day I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Well, you're listening to Real Truth for today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve. I'm joined by Chris Schroeder, Dr. Chris Schroeder, and we're talking about the world's greatest soldier, the Lord Jesus Christ, and sacrifice on this special day, Memorial Day. We're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Today, I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, and I'm joined in the studio by my good friend, Dr. Chris Schroeder. Uh, Dr. Chris Schroeder, he just got his doctorate from Liberty University, just graduated in May. And uh, so that's an exciting time and it's a lot of work that goes into a doctorate. But he's with, with me today and we're talking about uh, sacrifice on this Memorial Day. And we're talking about the sacrifice of Jesus, the world's greatest soldier who gave his life for us so that we could have life in him. And then we're talking about what that means for you and me. You know, Memorial Day is we honor those who gave their lives the ultimate uh, price to pay for our freedom. Well, Jesus gave his life 
the ultimate uh, price to pay for our freedom. And the way we live the Christian life is by giving our lives to him in daily surrender so that we can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Chris, why is that uh, really surrendering our lives on a daily basis? Why is that such a struggle for people to do? Oh, man, I think it's uh, I think it's just our own pride. You know, we just want our own way. We just naturally have pride. That's our that's our sin nature. You know, humility does not come naturally to us. You know, you could say that, uh, you know, I'm being humble. I think I'm I think I'm really doing good at being humble. I think I'm doing great as humble. And then the humility is gone. So pride is something that we have to constantly fight. And we have to choose to do humble things. We have to choose to take humble actions because it's not going to take, it's not going to come naturally to us. And making sacrifices, surrendering ourselves is not something that our human nature wants to do. And so it's something that we have to intentionally do. And it's challenging and it's fighting against our own, our own sin nature. I think about, you know, you're talking about the, military, our soldiers, I was thinking about our soldiers who have made sacrifices. And even by being a soldier, maybe they haven't even lost their life, but they, in signing up and going into the military to fight for our country or being willing to fight for our country, they know that there's possible sacrifice and they have to go where they're told to go. They have to go to the countries, to the places where they are told to go. And uh, they have surrendered their right in as far as choosing where they're going to go. They have surrendered to, to a higher authority and now they go where they're told to go. And uh, I hope they know that when they go in. I think they do. They know that that's what they've signed up for. Right. And they're just they're willing to do it. And it mm-hmm. and where they're asked to go so much of the time, this is not a fun place to go. When the soldiers went to Iraq and they dealt with the heat and they dealt with the flies and all that stuff, it's like, I'd rather be any place but here. Um, and so we, we re- must remember that, you know, the Lord is going to ask us to do things that are going to be difficult to do. I think about the prayer of Jesus in the garden, and this is an encouragement to us because here is the Son of God, and when he was faced with the cross, he knew, I mean, that was the reason that he came, but he had to pray three times in the garden, sweat blood because of the pressure that was on him in Gethsemane, and he prayed, not my will, but yours be done. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I think that's the challenge for every believer in every situation. We got to say, whose will are we going to do here? Are we going to do my will or God's will? And um, uh, let's just make it real uh, plain and and, uh, practical. What if the Lord tells you, hey, you know, that person that wronged you, you need to forgive them. Uh, The person that you wronged, uh, you need to go to them and apologize to them. Uh, that's where pride gets in the way and, oh, I don't want to do that. Do I need to call this person? I, I had a situation, Chris, in my life where I had wronged a guy and uh, the Lord kept bringing it to my heart. Hey, you're, you're, the relationship with you and Mark is not good and you have to uh, make amends because you wronged him. You know, Romans twelve eighteen. if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Well, Mark was out of sight, out of mind. It wasn't a guy that I saw, uh, you know, on a regular basis. He lived in a different city, but uh, God wouldn't let that go away. I needed to call him and I needed to apologize. And that's one of those, not my will, but yours be done. Okay, Lord, I don't want to do this, but because you're telling me to do this, 
I have to say yes. And that that's a hard thing to do, um, you know, in life and in marriage and in family and in our relationships with people to really obey Jesus. Yeah, obedience. You know, obedience sometimes, I mean, it could be in the family of, of sacrifice, but obedience can be even harder than sacrifice. You know, you're being told, because you have the Holy Spirit. When you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. And so that Holy Spirit is guiding you. It's uh, pricking your heart, bringing conviction when you do wrong, and uh, telling you to make amends to people. Uh, we, sh- we as Christians should live our lives in a way that we are evaluating each day and seeing where it was that we messed up, where it was that we fell short and what amends we need to make and who God is leading us to to talk to, to witness to, mm-hmm. uh, to walk across the room and, and share with right. the waiter at a restaurant, whatever it is, you know, and those are sometimes awkward situations, but we're trying to be obedient to the Lord. Our desire is to be obedient to Him. Sometimes we fail in that. Sometimes we we come through. Right. I still remember a story. I love to, uh, to listen to Adrian Rogers and in, in back, uh, when I was a salesman, I would listen to hours and hours and hours of his sermons. He, he talked about a, a situation where he had made a commitment to the Lord as a young believer, 17 years old, he had gotten saved. And he said, soon after that, uh, the, the pastor had challenged the people to say, okay, now, uh, I want you to make this commitment that in the next, I forget how long it was in the next 30 days or 60 days or whenever it was that you're going to share the gospel with somebody. You're going to witness to somebody and tell them, um, that the Jesus that saved you can save them too. And so he said, he raised his hand and said, I will do that. Well, so here he is. He said, it's in the summertime. He's a 17 year old kid. He goes to town to get some parts for his bicycle. He said, I got a, a pair of cutoff shorts on, no shirt, no shoes. You know, he's just out in Florida. This is, you know, back in the day where kids right. just kind of <laughs> did that. And he said, he meets this old man who was living on the street and this guy calls him over and says, uh, hey, you want to you want to buy something from me? And he opened up his coat and he had like little trinket stuff or whatever. And Adrian's like, uh, no, I don't want to do that. And um, and then he walked away and he said, the Lord spoke to his heart and said, Adrian, talk to that man about his soul. Mm-hmm. And he said, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. Uh, that's a, he's a he's a older man i'm a 17 year old i got no shoes on i got no shirt on and he didn't want to do it and the lord kept pricking his heart talk to that man about his soul and and adrian said well i the lord i just can't do that and he said the lord told him he said adrian you promised in church that you would be a witness wow talk to that man and so that's a real practical not my will but yours be done and as the story goes he talked to the man about his soul adrian only knew one verse john three sixteen, and and um he said mister if you put your faith and trust in jesus he loves you he'll save you and that guy he led him to faith in christ praise god and uh, Adrian said the guy started crying, and uh, he said, young man, he said, I've been in so many states in my life, you know, just wandering about. He said, you're the only person that's ever talked to me about my soul. Mm-hmm. He said, thank you, young man. And uh, so it was a really cool story. But, you know, if we will quit fighting the Lord and we will just surrender to him and say, Lord, you gave your life for me. I gave my life to you in salvation and now i'm just a living sacrifice and whatever you want me to do i'm willing to do and god and the holy spirit then uh, guides us um, 
you know, we talk about shine and share wherever we're at to shine and share. Right. But uh, sometimes, you know, we're called to evangelize to, to everyone, you know, to share our faith with everyone. Right. But sometimes we're trying to pick a fruit that's not not ripe yet. Right. You know, so when the Lord is leading, when the Lord is prompting the heart, like in this case with Adrian Rogers, the fruit was ready. Right. You know, so that being obedient, there was literal, there was fruit from that. And so uh, just that helps, just being obedient to the Lord, being listen, being able to listen to the Lord and then respond to him. Right. And we don't know where somebody is. You know, I, we talk about the, the links in the chain of salvation. So, yeah. um, you know, you can be the person that, that leads somebody to faith in Christ. But typically there have been people along the way that have talked to that person in the story of Adrian Rogers and this older man. Well, he had a Gideon Bible. Someone had given him that. And they may not have talked to him about his soul, but he had some exposure to Christianity and he had a Bible in his pocket. Um, so sometimes we're the person that's handing out the Bible. Sometimes we're the person that's just telling somebody, hey, God loves you. Jesus died for you. And then sometimes we're the person that says, hey, this is what you do to pray to receive Christ. And the person says, yes, I want to do that. I have found that the more you share, mm -hmm. the more you see God use your life mm -hmm. uh, to, to make a difference and an impact for Christ. And sharing Christ is one of those things a lot of us have trouble doing. We get very nervous. Yeah. We don't know what to say. And so we kind of back off. And when the Lord says, do it, and, and the command is, Go. Right. Go yeah. and make disciples. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to get uh, some some revelation from heaven to go across the street to talk to your neighbor. He's already said, go. We know what we're supposed to do. And right. it is a spiritual gift. Some do have the spiritual gift right. of evangelism. Some are just naturally really good with the Holy Spirit. They're just good at sharing their faith. But uh, we're all called to evangelize. So who was it that said that it takes an average of seven times for a person to hear the gospel yeah. message before they receive Yeah, that might Christ? have been a Campus Crusade study yeah, or something so. like and that. And so, I mean, you might share and you might be the sixth one that they've heard that gospel message from. Right. But the next person may be the person that finally leads them to Christ. Right. It also reminds us that the pressure is not on us. You know, it's not on us no. in sharing our faith. It's, I mean, we're, it's our pressure to share the faith. It's being obedient. Right. But as far as them accepting and receiving, uh, that's between them and the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can if you can talk somebody into it, somebody else can talk them out of it. Oh, yeah. It's got to be the Holy Spirit says this is what you need. There's conviction from the Lord, and so um, God wants to use us. And and that's the the awesome thing, the exciting thing is to know that every single day when you wake up in the morning, God wants to use your life. If you'll just Romans twelve one, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. If every Every day we just re-up, Lord, I belong to you. I'm in the Lord's army. You've given me your spirit. You've saved me. And I'm here for one main overarching reason, and that is to be your witness. That's right. And, you know, people want to know what their what God's will is for their life. I hear a lot of people wondering what is, and I've always wondered that, you know, I want to know, God, what do you right. want me to do? What is your will for my life? Well, it starts there. It starts in Romans 12, 1, offering your body as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And then it goes on, you know, verse two, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right. And then you will know what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
And so it uh, starts with giving our bodies, giving our whole self as a sacrifice, like you said, every day. And then, uh, you know, then our minds capturing our thoughts. And this is how we find God's good, pleasing, perfect will for our lives. Right. And, and when you, the question, how do you know that you've really done that? The sweet aroma of the knowledge of Jesus goes forth in every place you go. Second Corinthians two fourteen. But thanks be to God who always leads us in His triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him. Now, Chris, you do a lot of counseling and you deal with a lot of couples, a lot of marriage counseling. You know, here's the thing: if if a husband is really surrendered to the Lord and a wife is surrendered to the Lord, they're going. To, that doesn't mean their marriage is not going to have some problems. But they're not going to get along like a cobra and a mongoose. They're not going to be at each other's throats. Because if I'm led by the Holy Spirit and my wife is led by the Holy Spirit, we can have disagreements on things. But overall, we're we're moving in the same direction. And Jesus is king in both our hearts. So I think that's that's a great way to test. How are you really doing? It's not so much how loudly you sing at church or how much you can say praise the Lord, it's how are things going at home? That's kind of the acid test of your walk with Jesus, wouldn't you say? Oh, man, and I challenge husbands all the time. You know, the more responsibility is on us because we're called to lead. And so, um, I mean, this is really challenging, but I tell the husband, you know, I see your wife 10 years from now. I haven't seen you guys for 10 years, and I see you 10 years from now. I can look at her, and I can see how you've been doing as a husband. Mm. You know, if she's... um, you know, she wears it in her face. She either has that glow or she has that look like she's been she's been beaten down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can talk a good game and you can attend church and you could do all those things and check the box, but it's going to show in those closest relationships how you're living out your faith, how you're walking it out. Right. So I, I've said this before, you know, uh, it's it's the test is not in church. Mm-hmm. The test is outside of the church. And the test is not even uh, necessarily in the marketplace as much as it is in the home. That really uh, is the the uh, where the rubber meets the road is in the home. How well do you do what God's called you to do? by his grace, by his power, to love your wife as Christ loved the church, and women to submit to your husband and respect your husband. His greatest need is respect. Her greatest need is love. And uh, as we've been talking in church about those things, as I've been doing this marriage and family series, um, easier said than done. Right. And marriage is the greatest sanctifying tool, you know, that we have. Because you take two individuals, two different family of origins, two different backgrounds, personalities, so different, different gender, so different, and yet coming together to become one flesh. God's going to use that to work on you, to shape you, to, to sanctify your heart. Right. And so marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. It says that in Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, it's a dynamic. We have to continue to walk in it and work on it just like we do in our Christian life. Well, we're talking today about the world's greatest soldier, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ on this Memorial Day, and we're talking about uh, surrender and sacrifice. Uh, I'm Pastor Jeff Shreve, and I'm joined in the studio by Dr. Chris Schroeder, and you are listening to Real Truth for today. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be coming back after the break. And uh, Be encouraged, no matter what's going on in your life, be encouraged. God has a plan, and He can use you. Don't go away.
Welcome back to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, and I'm with Dr. Chris Schroeder, and we're talking about the greatest soldier who ever lived. The world's greatest soldier is the Lord Jesus who gave his life for us on the cross, and Christianity is all about following in his footsteps. We give our life to him who died for us in agony and blood and rose again on the third day, and when we give our life to him, he gives his life to us, and we are born again. And then every single day, it's a choice that we make to yield the throne of our lives to Jesus so uh, the God who lives in us would truly be Lord of all in our lives. And Chris, we've been talking about the the struggle that is the Christian life to really live surrendered. And uh, as we've been saying, it's a battle of will. It's a battle of pride. Um we tend to want to always be in control, don't we? Oh, we do. And, you know, it is it is a challenge. The Christian life is a challenge. A lot of times it is uphill. It's not an easy road, the life of sacrifice. But, you know, the resurrection comes. You know, after three days, the resurrection comes. So there is new life. And it is, it is a challenge. It is uh, sometimes a struggle, oftentimes a struggle. But there's a huge blessing in that we get new life. Well, in, in the uh, book of 1 Samuel, we read about uh, uh, Saul, and uh, Saul was told to wipe out the Amalekites, and he didn't do it, and then he tried to say he did do it, and Samuel says to him, uh, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of divination or witchcraft, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Those are serious, serious things. I think, Chris, what people don't realize is anytime you say no to the Lord, he, you, you, you say basically not your will, but mine be done. Right. We want to do what we want to do. I mean, anytime we sin, we're saying no to the Lord's will. We, we want what we want uh, when we want it type thing. But that is a serious issue. That is rebellion against God and his lordship over our lives. And uh, every Christian deals with that. Nobody lives a perfect life. So there's always, we're always struggling back and forth with rebellion and wanting to do our thing versus what he wants us to do. And so when we talk about just practically living out the Christian life in surrender to the Lord, how can a person get back on the horse, so to speak, when they fall off? Yeah, and I was thinking about, you know, the relationship between a, a parent and a child, you know, specifically as a man, a father and a child. And, uh, you know, I have a 19-year-old going, right. you know, almost to the end of those teenage years. But yes. the adult years are, they're yeah. hard as yeah. they're making their own choices. And, uh, you know, my daughter could say, um, well, I'm going to do this for you and I'm going to do that for you and I'm going to do this for you. I just want you to be obedient. You know, just, just do as we ask, you know, as you ask you to do. And so obedience means so much more than anything that they could uh, come up with on their own, any kind of thing that they think is a sacrifice for themselves. But obedience is truly what we want our children to do, to be obedient to us. Right. You know, we can give a gift, put a gift in the offering plate, perhaps, mm -hmm. that maybe it's even a sacrificial gift. But the question is, are we obeying God? 
Um, you know, I think about mobsters. You know, the mobsters were always pretty faithful in, in their church attendance. You know, you watch those mafia movies and stuff like that. It's like uh, there's a disconnect here because you you are killing people yeah. and you're into drugs and prostitution, but you're coming to church and you're writing checks for the church and all that stuff to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Um, the the king, Saul, because he didn't obey the Lord, he lost the kingdom and, and God chose David to be uh, the shepherd of his and people. Saul had Saul had so much potential. It wasn't like he was um, it wasn't like he was an underdog or something. He had tremendous potential. He was, you know, chosen specifically to lead. Right. Well, pride got in the way and then insecurity got in the way. And uh, those are two big killers of our our Christian walk is if we get prideful, God is opposed to the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And then if uh, if we get insecure where we're looking at other people, Saul was so insecure because David, the song that they sang, David has slain his tens of thousands and Saul has just slain his thousands. Um, you know, it's real easy to get your eyes on another person and to compare yourself with other people as opposed to just keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. You know, Chris, we sing that old song, count your blessings, name them one by one. We all have a tendency to compare our blessings, don't we? That's right. And uh, we say, well, Lord, why is this guy getting blessed and I'm not getting blessed? Pastors especially are mm-hmm. bad about that. Oh, yeah, you get get with, around a bunch of pastors and, you know, eventually the question's going to come, so... How's your church doing? What, what are you running? You yeah. Know, what are you running? What's the attendance? Like, what does the scoreboard look like for your church? And then you have to admit that when they start saying they have a little, they're having a little more success than you're having, it's like, what are they doing? What am I not doing? Yeah. You know? Yeah, we feel good when we meet the guy at the conference that says, oh, you know, I have uh, we have 120. And you think, oh, I got more than that. And then you meet the guy that says, well, we're having uh, 5,000. It's like, oh, I don't want to hang around you. It's all relative. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. I think about the in the last uh, part of John chapter 21, where uh, Peter and the Lord is is saying to Peter, you know, there's coming a day where they're going to lead you where you don't want to go. And he's speaking about the kind of death that that he was going to experience. And then uh, then Peter sees John kind of following at a distance. He said, well, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said, what is that to you? If I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And so my plan for John doesn't have anything to do with my plan for you. Uh, We need to remember that we run a race, Hebrews chapter uh, 12, we run a race, but our races are different. And so we we need to be faithful to our race and not look at everybody else's race and talk to God about, well, why don't uh, I have the things that he has? Why does he have five talents and I only have two talents? We just use what God has given us to his glory. We run the race and it's all done through surrender. Right, through surrender, surrendering what we have, what God has given us, surrendering that back to him. And so you look at the different heroes of the faith, you know, they're so unique and their flaws and their strengths and how God used each one of them. And then you get, like you said, you get into the New Testament and you get into the, the Gospels and the epistles and you see Peter and John are so different. And then Paul is so different. But God used each one of them as just surrendered vessels. You know, he used them uniquely, all three of them very unique. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's a it's a privilege to lead the to, to live the Christian life. I love this phrase: the Christian life is not hard; it's impossible. Yeah, the only one who can live it is Jesus, and so the only way to live it is to live it surrendered to Him. Sanctify Christ. First Peter three fifteen. Sanctify Christ. Set Him apart as Lord in your hearts. Always being ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you to give an an account of the hope that is within you, yet with gentleness and reverence. So there there was a little booklet that that was uh, I saw in college that said, not I, but Christ. And it was based on Galatians 2.20. I know that's a special scripture Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have been crucified with Christ. I'm dead. No longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. I can't do this, but he can. And the little poem says, I can't. He never said I could. He will. He always said he would. And so I just have to live surrendered to Jesus and trust him that he's going to live through me as I surrender my will to his. That, that reminds me of a book by uh, Francis Chan, wrote a book, The Forgotten God, talking about the Holy Spirit, uh-huh. the power of the Holy Spirit that we have available to us. I feel so often that we forget that, that we forget that we have that Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And the number one word I think of when I think of the Holy Spirit is power. Uh-huh. You know, So that power dwells within us. We can't forget that. No, and you know, and as we think about Memorial Day, and we think about sacrifice, and we think about the greatest sacrifice, um, we we desperately need to keep Calvary and Resurrection Sunday so near and dear to our hearts because we don't want to forget. Um, you know, amazing love, how can it be that Thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Uh, Chris, when you talk to people in the counseling office. Um, I dare say a lot of them struggle with the love of God. Just right. How could God love me? Right. And what proves the love of God is the cross. Right. Yeah. I, I constantly remind people and, you know, I have to remind myself all the time, you know, we haven't arrived. We haven't figured it all out. We're, we're on this journey also, but try to remind others and try to remind myself to focus on the gospel. You know, always remember the gospel. Remember that we all fall short. We all have sin. We've all been in need of a Savior. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to be that Savior, to make that sacrifice for us. And he did it because of his love, because of his love for you. And there's nothing that you can do to uh, stop him from loving you. Right. Everything flows from love. We love because he first loved us. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and all our mind. And the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. So the first greatest is vertical right, between us and God. And the second greatest is horizontal. So I, I, he loves me and I respond to that love. We love because he first loved us. So as I respond to his love, then he fills my heart. The love of God has been shed abroad in your hearts through the, the person of the Holy Spirit. He fills my heart with love so I can love you and I can love other people in life. I can love horizontally. That's right. But if if a person uh, has trouble accepting God's love, I, I believe that that is the the crux of so many problems. 
um, maybe because uh, things have happened to a person. I, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm filled with shame. Nobody could love me. Look at the bad things I've done. No way could God love me. I mean, that's the source of a lot of problems in, in people's lives, wouldn't you say? I would. And I would challenge you if you're listening and you're feeling that there's that you've done something that it's unforgivable and there's no way that God could love you. Uh, read Romans 8. 31 through 39 and just meditate on that scripture um it's it talks about the depth of god's love how much he loves us right and nothing can separate us from that right um i remember a a sermon i heard that said you know about eternal security if you didn't have anything except romans 8 um 38 and 39 what shall separate me from the love of god um and it goes through all this laundry list of things and the answer is nothing can separate us from the love of God. Let me read that uh, because it's so powerful. He says, uh, for I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we rest in his love, it changes us. Uh, Chris, I know you, I've heard you say before, when you talk to different people, this person is having trouble accepting God's grace. And God's grace and love are, are mixed together. You really can't have God's grace without God's love attached to it. Uh, the w- word in, in the Old Testament, hesed, uh, is loving kindness. The word in the New Testament is grace. And so those are connected. Right. And to be honest, I think the main reason is that we focus so much on ourself. We look inward instead of looking upward, you mm-hmm. know, instead of looking vertical to the Lord and, and focusing on his promises and reading his word. You know, we grow in faith by reading his word, by hearing his word. But we focus inward. And the more we focus inward, it doesn't help. The answer is not inside. You know, sin is inside. The answer comes from the Lord, comes from above. Right. A little phrase said, I asked the Lord how much he loved me, and he stretched out his arms and died. Uh, Calvary proves that God loves you. And the nice thing about that and the cool thing about that is before you were ever created, and it has nothing to do with the circumstances of your life. It's outside of your life. Uh, the, The hill called Calvary is where we see God's love. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so we can cling and claim his love because the cross proves it. Uh, he loves you and there's nothing you can do to get God to love you anymore. And there's nothing you can do to get God to love you any less. Now we can, we can squander his love. We can reject his love. So many people do. Unbelievers do it every day. Uh, the rich young ruler, the Lord looked at him and felt a love for him, it says about that guy. But he walked away from the gift of eternal life. Um, It's heartbreaking when we see that, but that happens every day. Right. That sacrifice on the cross was was done for the sins past, present, and future. You know, God is sovereign. He's in control, and he sees, and nothing that you have done has surprised him. He's not surprised and without a plan. He knew that while he was on the cross. Amen. Well, we've been talking today about uh, the greatest soldier who ever lived, the world's greatest soldier, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us 
as an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God. He was numbered with the transgressors so that you and I would never have to be numbered with the transgressors. He tasted death so that we could pass out of death into life. Well, I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, and this is Real Truth for Today. I've been talking with my dear friend and partner, uh, Dr. Chris Schroeder, and we've been talking about this subject. And so I just want to encourage you this Memorial Day to remember, to believe, to receive that Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you on the cross, rose again from the dead, and you have an opportunity to live surrendered to him. God bless you. Shine and share.